0: Hi friends! Welcome back to Introverted Improvisers, an online audio-based improv community. I'm your host, Camila, and today we make a departure from our traditional spotlights in which our guests discuss the unique ways improv shows up in their lives, as well as how their special interests contribute to a rich improv world. Instead, I must shine a light all over one of our most dazzling, multifaceted hidden gems of the improv world who has a passionate cry for more improv to go the audio route. Let me introduce performer and instructor, Maggie. I call Maggie a hidden gem only because audio improv is niche or I guess it's niche, depending where you are in the world. And as Maggie's current improv practice is expressed through the audio medium only, it is harder to get noticed, play at advanced levels, or even perform at all. I, well, we, are working to change these opportunities as fast as we can make it happen. So, Maggie found introverted improvisers through word of mouth after asking for exclusively audio improv experiences, for reasons we will discuss. Over our chats, we had great connections, overlapping in improv, other arts, personality, life patterns. It was a little unbelievable. With so much to talk about, plus Maggie's incredible range in audio skill sets, from vocal training and coaching, to acting background, to improv practice, clowning, writing, storytelling, I decided to focus on our two strongest overlaps, which hopefully draws more people to this campfire. Our passion for audio improv helping the introvert blossom, and the need for this medium's practice for participants and consumers alike. This interview has been given extra length and scope to address not only the desires, but the necessity of inclusion of audio in the improv world. While I could go on about the things audio can release from within the improviser, and any other creative type really, I'll let Maggie do the talking and let her improv be the example. I can always count on Maggie's scenes to have broad vocal range and character, high emotional stakes, and she will leap into play and fun or sometimes just wait for a perfectly timed, loaded offer. And by the way, she can monologue and narrate like you wouldn't believe, and I'm thinking you probably shouldn't digitize your grandma's old recipes and instead hire Maggie to put them into audio notes, because I can listen to her say anything. That's also why, for her set this week, it's a montage of Maggie just showcasing her broad variety of skills. And speaking of showcasing her, let's get on with this spotlight interview. All right, Maggie, let's get started. So tell me five things you were, you're digging lately Your five things about you.
1: I love, I'm going to try not to swear, I love vampire fiction or afterlife stuff. And I know now as someone who writes, not as a writer, that's the continual search about uh, death and dying. That whole concept, I am drawn to it like artists have been drawn to it for hundreds, thousands of years. So. Yes, please, Charlene Harris, bring someone else out because I'll go to Audible for it. At the moment, I'm into movies with Mark Wahlberg. I can't explain it. Not Ted, please, excuse me now, but I've watched Shooter like eight, nine times. And um, most of my films have audio description on them. And I think it's because he represents the lone wolf the lone wolf trying to survive despite the odds. And I identify very closely with that. Um, we're seriously into Beethoven at the moment. That will die down, but its I'm still getting a lot out of just listening to this wonderful stuff without hearing or you know, reading. I say hearing when I say reading because things are read out to me mainly liner notes and what it's supposed to mean and what he was doing, I don't care I just want to experience it through headphones I'm trying to just get out for a walk around the block but I'm still classified as shielding and it's been 21 months now so um, I laugh at people scared of isolating for 10 days so people that are isolating for 10 days, you can do it and the last thing I'm into is this Ah, oh, this is weird. Did I mention philosophy? No. Um, the big stuff. Yeah, the big stuff. Um, and I don't think it's a loser's pursuit. I hear that so often, and I really don't like people that strike off the people that choose to do a philosophy degree. Um, I think it's super important in the UK in the state school system, the comprehensive school system. You don't get taught those big things, philosophy, economics. You don't really get taught foreign literature. So if university comes, if you've managed to survive that or the brutal school system, it comes with such a shock. But it's the fact that these people took on that challenge, started to see shapes and patterns, not only in the past, but in what's become. Patterns in huge different societies. And I think anyone that does that and is brave enough and possibly isolated enough to do that deserves to be heard. So I'm looking at big stuff at the moment and really enjoying it. And it helps you get through shielding. Tell me more about this lone wolf I've always been like that. I have always been like that since around about the time I learned to speak. So we're talking really small, like three, I think. um, This all goes back to my childhood. I remember being encouraged to be quieter, encouraged to read. I was surrounded by my rather like Jeff was surrounded by his older brother's books from university. I was surrounded by my old 11-year gap, my sister's books on Spanish, French, didn't know what any of them meant. Uh, And that's why I was drawn to books with pictures. But I was only allowed them for a certain time. And whenever the slightest tiny thing went wrong or when I couldn't understand what was going on, In my peer group of three, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, it just took me a long time to process stuff. And sometimes I couldn't process it because I didn't understand social relationships. Some people seem to be very good at it. I ran back to comfort, and that comfort was my picture book. I was safe when I had this world of another world. And my introduction to audio only, I'm moving to this quite (laughs) So maybe not in the right order, but it was my mum reading to me. And for me, there was nothing better in the world than when my mum read to me. So I'm guessing that from age three, four, although I had to go to bed very early because my parents had jobs quite far away. So I was getting up at 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. every morning to be taken to my grandparents. So that they could then go to work for 9am and then to be taken home and put to bed at 5.30pm, 6pm when other children were out playing. um, That pocket of time when mum read to me and made these worlds come alive, because it was probably an escape for her and my mum was really sharp and very quiet and the quietest one in the class too. This door opened and I remember thinking, I just want to be in that other world with my mum. So it's kind of no surprise that when I engage with audio-only activities, it's more real, almost more real, more preferred. It's another world away from the that I think society is. And that's what I identify with the lone wolf because the the trope is you're up a hill that's hard to go up. You've got a checked shirt on. You haven't washed your hair in a week because it's not important. You catch your own food. You've got a dog that will never let you down. You're operating among the wilderness as part of the wilderness and you fit in. In Shoot, for example, the character Gunny is with his dog. And it, for me, that's the same feeling of comfort that I had when I was alone with my mum and she was reading to me. We are the quiet one in the class, the breakfast club film, the quiet one in the class. With the dark hair, who put the dandruff on her picture, and of course, there was only ever one of them. So, if we are the introverts who recharge by being on our own, not because we're antisocial, not because we have no confidence, not because we're weird, but I kind of like the idea that I'm weird, that we're all weird, if that's how we need to recharge in order to operate lightly among others and be our best. I nearly said, be our best version of ourselves. I hate that phrase so much. That's how we, that is our sleep. That is our personality sleep so that we can recharge to survive.
0: Uh, Interesting. How do we find each other? And also not too much because we also like being (laughs) love. How do we find each other just a little bit?
1: I wonder if we're replaying childhood again, I remember I said I wasn't going to talk about my past and here we go Um, first day of school there has been nothing as frightening in my life since the first day of school it was awful, I didn't see it coming Um, to continue with the story of when I had to get up early in the morning so that I could be left at my grandparents, I based Grew up with my grandparents, not because of neglect, but both my parents had to work a job, so you get more freedom there. And I was allowed to play with my grandfather's tools in the cubby hole and uh, Nana. They were called Nana and Tommy, not Granny and Granddad. Nana and Tommy. And if she was baking, I could just reach up a little hand and steal something that was being baked, and thought, oh, I got away with that. the machine knew what was going on, and I was allowed to do that there, and that was my kindergarten. That was the first five years of my life. So one day I was given clothes. It was a formal cardigan and a tie and a shirt and a skirt. And I was walked some, taken somewhere. And then my grandfather just said bye-bye. And I was left in this playground with lots of people my size. And I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. I thought I was being given away. It was so strong and frightening and horrible because I I had been protected. We all got barked at by, it was probably the deputy head, but being told what to do by this strange lady with a pointy nose called Miss Davis, whose car tires I eventually let down when I was eight years old. But she deserved it. Thank you. Um, (laughs) that, That sounds awful, but she did deserve it. She was very cruel to children, like that teacher in the Matilda film. Think of that. Times at by ten miss davis nineteen seventy four she was evil, <laughs> and we were all branded. We were all given a cardboard put round our neck with a number one or a number two on it, and that was now basically our kindergarten class or nursery class. so the first day of this school was a half day, and when my grandparents turned off, I just ran to them once they were there, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because it was over and I remember thinking, well, that's over, we can just back to stealing the the baked scones and playing with Tommy's tools, but I had to go back the next day and the next day. And that was when my problem with formal education started. I did not want to go. And I've never liked school, hated it. Even college, university, hated all of it, which is why I'm a lifelong learner. now. I'm studying what I want to study. I'm looking into fields that I want to look into.
0: All of that sounds very familiar. (laughs) But let's keep this about you. So how does the quiet one find their voice? Because you obviously have, because you're so outgoing and your improv choices are really bold, really wonderful. Uh, anything from from voices to emotional commitment to the action that you take.
1: When I used to sing, I don't sing so much now. But, you know, or when I act or when I'm doing improv, especially audio only improv. I don't dip a toe in. I immerse in it. I am there it is real uh, Kate Bush said um, saying it could even make it happen it's real if you choose to believe it's real just because other people can't and um, hear the scary worms that's a reference to the uh, bunkers podcast even if other people can't see what you see it doesn't mean it's not real all that means is it's not real for them so if you choose to believe and um, I did a bit of coaching on how to get people through stage fright. If you tell yourself you're confident, if you choose to buy into that, then you are. There's a wonderful workshop taught by Rhiannon Jenkins, um, uh, How to Flirt, How to Be Sexy. And they're basically confidence workshops. And a lot of the work I do with my voice is being those people in these other worlds as I step through that door to the place where mum used to read to me in the evening. The investment somebody puts in by buying into that and working on their voice and telling themselves that what they're doing is real, that's what listeners pick up on. And if you are visually impaired like me, you are completing the circle of creating a story that people will believe is real. You've created a door for someone who needs to escape like I needed to escape 50 years ago.
0: So sometimes I've thought this and this thought pattern has changed, but maybe you can speak to it for anyone else experiencing it currently. What do you say to somebody who thinks like, well, who am I to be out there being a representative of entertainment or like somebody who thinks, well, I'm not a good storyteller or all the good stories are told. What do I have to add to this?
1: There is a huge necessity for storytelling. And if you're going to do it, do it well. A lot of people find storytelling very therapeutic, but it's partly about the people engaging in storytelling, but it's more about the people that are going to receive it. We're humans, we' we're we're water bags filled with hormones, aren't we? <laughs> There's this. And you know we have to operate in a kind of technical age, but the bags of water with all the hormones have something really annoying called feelings. And storytelling in other worlds is where those things can be soothed, comforted, addressed properly but if you're tapping into something really deep and you see things and patterns and you get reward from it, I guarantee everyone listening to this, that there will be someone else who needs to hear it. Mm. There's such a huge need for this connection or possibilities. Just create another door in somebody's corridor. Please, please do that because I guarantee you there are people who need it. Even if it's, respite for an evening by going to the theatre even if it's some kind of mental escape or break for somebody or even if it's a child being read a book for 15 minutes in the evening there's a huge need for it and quite often the people that need this other place can't speak up for themselves and i think that's why i'm so invested in working with my voice and engaging with other people that value the, the importance the necessity for creating these other ways of seeing the world on these other doors and people's corridors.
0: So you have a workshop coming up with Stephen Davidson at Impromiscuous on vulnerability. And it sounds a little bit scary, this idea of vulnerability, but I I do agree with you. There is a need for that, especially improv. And so if you could speak to, why do we need vulnerability to tell a better story?
1: Telling the story, you have to properly invest in it. So if you're going to properly invest in storytelling and opening doors and corridors for somebody out there, you need to go for 100%. And the reason I go for things 100% is because of the clowning training I had. Clowning training has a rep for it'll tear you down, it'll destroy you, and then it'll build you back up. I had a wonderful teacher called Jerry Flanagan still teaches in London, he's circus trained, he's amazing, and clowning training is about vulnerability. Nothing will train you in how to use and work with vulnerability more intensely and thoroughly than clowning. Yes, it's difficult, but that's the point. It gives you power as a performer, and it lets people see themselves in your performance. So I try and do that with my voice. As you unlock these doors, I keep going on about unlocking doors for people, but you're almost telling people to give themselves permission to jump in fully to the thing they're trying to express. Jump in fully to singing. So many fabulous voices I've heard from people who don't sing in a choir, and then you'll give them clowning or improv exercises, wee, 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 and they'll find this huge voice it's happened so many times, and I've then phoned somebody. Hello, do you have room for a new singing student? Okay. Um, it's giving people to permission to feel and to express that feeling. And as you've probably worked out by now, I give myself 100% permission to do that. Give yourself permission to go way over what you think is needed, especially on audio only. For. <laughs> So, for example, if, if you, you're acting or on stage or doing improv on Zoom or doing improv on, you know, in, in a room for others and somebody says, I need you to be frustrated when you say that, they can show frustration in so many ways with their body, with their face. But vocally, all you have is the tone you choose, the tempo and silence. So, uh For example, somebody might think, well, I'll I'll do that. That'll be enough. I'll pretend to be frustrated. Oh, that's annoying. You might think you're only, I'll give them 50% because I don't need to commit to really showing what I feel. Mm. People, if you're thinking I'll do 50%, people won't pick up on that. They'll hear somebody pretending to be frustrated. But if you think, right, I'm going to go for it and I'm really annoyed about that, yeah. That's going to come across this may be more convincing, but that is 100% going break. You need to reach. And that reaching, that's the leap of faith. That's the risk-taking. That's the vulnerability place. You need to make yourself vulnerable every single time you step on that improv stage. Because if you don't, you're not letting the experience flow through you. You have to let go. And so many people don't because they're worried. What's the worst thing that can happen on stage? What is the worst thing? What people stop listening? It's we're playing, we're having fun. I was going to say we're not fixing the world, but maybe we're healing it a little bit in the stories that we tell. But unless you give yourself, you you need to let it flow through you because it's not actually your tale. It's for other people. You need to make that escape for them, that door in the corridor, real.
0: So what can we say to people who are considering what improv can do for them and what this vulnerability aspect can do for new and veteran improvisers alike?
1: It gives you flexibility. When the big wind comes, when the big rain comes, when the earth shakes... You can flex and adapt, and that makes you strong. The thing I referred back to the first day of school, I couldn't move. I mean, I, was re- I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I couldn't cry because I, I had no – I could see no options. I was blinkered. Improv is about not planning. And the more you give up your ego, give up your fear – Look at pride as something to poke fun at and make fart noises at, as we tend to do in our sets, Camila, right? There's lots of (laughs) fart noises in our sets, right? You're slowly bringing them to you. Improv teaches you in a really gentle and fun and nurturing way. Oh, what if I just say yes to that? That wasn't my idea, but I'm just going to hop on board and see what happens because I'm somewhere safe. Improv is about being open to what the other people are doing and it's about being able to have their backs and the having their backs, your pride, your ego, your fear, it needs to be to the side. Walk the walk, don't talk the talk, meaning I've got your back, means the Mm. most important person on stage with you isn't you. It's the person opposite you or the two people opposite you or holy hell, it's a four-person scene. Ah!" Really difficult. Really difficult. I'm going to big us up. Even more difficult on audio only when nobody's got cameras on. Mm. But so satisfying when it works. And those sorts of scenes, they only work when your one job is to look after the other people in the scene. And that doesn't mean I'm going to make loads of suggestions and I'm going to control it. I'm going to plan it. No, no, no. no Planning? What? No. Forget it. Bye-bye, plan. You're an absolute waste of time and a nightmare. Bye-bye, funny. You will never show up to the party. No, you've got to be one, interested in the performers opposite you, the improvisers, the human beings, the waterbags with feelings opposite you. Be interested in them. And when they make characters on stage, you've got to be interested in their ideas and buy into them the flexibility you get from improv training and the the the, work, the vulnerability you get from clown training it feeds into the other artistic pursuits the acting chops come in really useful for improv uh some singing training comes in really useful for improv but but you do get this wonderfully um <laughs> wonderful flexibility that comes and so just just try it i'd say it's the least scary of the artistic pursuits. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't done watercolors. I don't think I will now with most of the gone. But try it. It's, it's, it's about learning that flex tool. It's about being stupid and silly and crazy and expressing yourself and communicating and going on that journey together. And eventually, it's about making your number one job, having the back of the person, your opposite. So that you can get out the way to allow your improviser to play with them in a in a very innocent way. Let's talk about
0: that in the audio medium specifically. Um, I am incredibly passionate about the audio medium, um, you know, as a making it a preferred medium, not a fallback medium, not a like mm. well you know, a zoom thing that we're kind of doing right now like I am so immersed in this world of audio and I know that for you, uh, some of it is that it is absolutely thrilling and some of it is because it's the way you can engage with improv right now um you've already alluded yeah. to it that you are legally blind or as they say in the UK, um, seriously sight impaired. So let's speak to your participation in the audio medium, um, partly because it pings your brain in amazing ways as it does mine. And partly because mm-hmm. that is um, a lot of your involvement in improv right now.
1: Well, it's it's my only involvement in improv. Um, and it's the only way I would ever have been able to connect with people across the Atlantic. And indeed, in Europe and Australia, where I've, you know, with, through Zoom and not using Zoom, the app, phoning into a landline and using my telephone. because I can't see well enough to operate the Zoom app. And a lot of people don't understand that. I, I'll explain. I'm on the phone. Yeah, but can you still turn your camera on so we can see you? No, naughty improviser. Shush, listen properly. And um, it's my only way of engaging with improv, especially as I'm continuing to shield because of my immune system the root of their improvising is from my mum reading these stories. Um, So I'm very happy when I can only hear stuff. And this is a nice little soundbite people might want to um, remember. Radio, or for the purposes of this conversation, audio only, when it's one person listening to another person's voice, preferably with sound in either ear, is the most intimate form of communication. Because they're only speaking to you. It's the most intimate form of communication. So it goes in. It's the power of a Stephen King novel. Or e- even worse, Dean R. who I remember wrote a book <laughs> when I was 19. And I was so, I knew it was a book. I knew it was in my hand. But the thing is, it spoke to me and it had gone in my brain like a worm to the point where I could not go in my bathroom for six days. So you take that power of writing and you put it in an audio format very powerful. I have to take everything in audio only and I also choose to because I find it really rewarding Um, whether it's Improv, where um, people don't have the ability to face act, to look gorgeous, to look terrible, to wear costumes, to hold written words up to the camera. It has to be done through the voice. And because everything has to be done through the voice, all those things you get to do without using your voice as a performer on normal Zoom, audio only, it's all done through the voice. So for me, the show, the set that's done, the story that's told can only be done through voice and at most you'll have a bit of foley or perhaps some layering of sound afterwards or even done at the time with the performers the story is more rewarding the set is more rewarding because you don't have that option to just sit and try and look like you really are a king in a palace watching the tide go in and out and it is it's a bit i'm not going to try and compare audio only stuff I do and audio only stuff I hear now to live improv two, three years ago, I did and experienced then because the world is different. I don't think it can be a direct comparison because we're in a very different world now. COVID is a chronic thing that is here to stay. So the world as we knew it three years ago doesn't exist. So I'm not going to say Audio-only now for me is way better than anything I saw or heard in the theatre. No, it's not a comparison that can be made because we're talking about two different worlds. At the moment, it's it's audio-only, and I'm, I'm really grateful that because of technology, the good side of the internet technology that has allowed me to connect with people thousands of miles away, that still blows my mind. I mean, I consider myself an elderly lady now, and I quite like having my mind blown by the fact I can speak with people in the USA what wow
0: yeah that that experience is pretty wild and also kind of maybe an introvert's dream a little bit there's that sense of uh, distance if needed and yet uh, a connection and I loved what you said like the emotional it's it the audio is intimate I know for Myself, perhaps as an introvert, perhaps as someone who's incredibly attracted to sound and music, I, I just my first memories are sound based. It's uh, I I can't imagine really maybe a deeper connection than that. So moving on.
1: So what landed audio improv on the map for you? As soon as I took a course, an audio only course with Stephen Davidson, I re at Impromiscuous his school in London. Um, which does a lot of online work now, I realized how brilliant the medium was. Um, It's always been looked down on by others uh, quite wrongly as the toothless banjo-picking second cousin of anything visual. But the more I find sighted improvisers being brave enough to try it, because many of them are frightened of it because everything's in what you say, everything's in your vocal performance on audio only isn't it the more i see them really getting tons out of it instead of being one square among 12 on a screen where people are clearly sat in their bedrooms or whatever it is the more they come over to it i don't need to sell it as a medium but after i did the first course with him i then started to search for it elsewhere and i couldn't find it i mean we're You know, we're talking about Eventbrite reading out 100, 200 events to me. And the few things I did find were once a month, audio only, open jam, all levels welcome. And some of them worked. Um, Some of the teachers were phenomenal. I think I met Carla Dingle, the the amazing acting coach and uh, improviser. I mean, um, she runs her own school, Dingle Drama. And um, I think she's the education manager at uh, Queen City Comedy. Audio-only is vital and necessary, and it is appalling. I might be offended, but it's appalling that some places don't have any audio-only courses because you are ruling out any visually impaired people taking part or anyone that doesn't have broadband taking part, right? End of. I think that's self-explanatory. How can we be excluding huge minority communities from playing with us? How on earth can we be doing that? We are. I hope these things change because they need to. But also, um, I can't speak on behalf of visually impaired people. I don't know any. I mean, maybe two, but we don't all hang out together because we can't see properly. So I'm not representative of them at all. We're all individuals. I cannot speak on behalf of a group. You know, my main thing isn't my disabilities. So I'm here as Maggie, an improviser and performer. I'm not here as Maggie, that poor lady who's lost most of her sight. That's not how I see myself. Um, You know, I have this passion for Joe only, and it's connected to my childhood. It's now a necessity because of my sight loss. For me, that's a big second. And I'm going to annoy Jeff and say it's 110% second.
0: (laughs) So what has the journey been like since then, since discovering it? What path have you gone... what path have you been able to go with it?
1: I kind of picked up people on the way and I don't mean to convert them to my way. I meant I picked them up in my mental memory of that's a lovely person to keep studying with. That's a brilliant person who knows about inclusion on a sighted Zoom, inclusion of visually impaired or non-broadband people on the sighted Zoom. And they can do it. They just they just very they want to include everybody. That it's not even an effort for them. They just They are very good at including everybody because they are phenomenal teachers. And those people I started chatting with about, oh, is there any chance of an audio-only course? And other places, uh, the audio-only jams were like a Chimp's Tea Party, Mm -hmm. Uh, 13, 14, 15, 16. And some people taking the opportunity of, because they didn't value the medium, of being incredibly rude to others. interrupting people's accommodations during the name circle I will never forget uh, an individual who will remain nameless when I was trying to mention my accommodations about being blind and um I can't I think it was I, can't, I mentioned something like COVID but a fairly big thing that may not have been obvious to a fully sighted person and immediately after me somebody said oh god that's a thing accommodations anyone with accommodations you guys you make yourselves very difficult to work with and that's the biggest shock I've ever had in nearly 12 years doing improv it is the biggest shock but it helped me realize the kind of people I don't want to be doing improv with I I stayed for the rest of the session but I was kind of I mean I've never ever had that happen and (laughs) as I related the tale to other people they couldn't believe it you know jaws open this kind of thing and I just tended to stick with the places. At first, mainly in promiscuous, then through in promiscuous, Rhiannon Jenkins, who runs her own school as well and works for other schools. Slowly, slowly, people are talking with me and showing a real interest, asking for my input on how to run a fully audio-only course, not for beginners, because once you've got 10, 11, 12 years under your belt, doing courses at beginner level aren't as satisfying as doing a more advanced course, but there are very few advanced level uh, post. Uh, three year plus, four year plus advanced level courses on audio only out there. They all tend to be beginner jams. Mm-hmm. Um things are slowly changing, but I've reined in my efforts. Now I only talk to two or three schools who are genuinely interested in starting these uh things up rather than trying to promote a one a one woman message and um I've been in uh classes weekly drop ins like Michelle Gilliam at uh Milwaukee improv she runs a YAP yes and practice session and sometimes their camera is off and through Michelle Gilliam at YAP I met Jess O'Neill mm-hmm. who is one of your great improvisers and I found you. So um the people who are serious about audio only and respect the medium, we we have this radar out all the time and we just detect each other. Um I can hear it in a jam if there's 15 people, the ones that are take to it very naturally the ones who respect the medium and I try and stick with with those people because they clearly love it and they understand the, the value of it and I think the advantage on zoom that it has over cameras on zoom which to my mind only detracts from the from the reality of the work you're doing Because when your eyes are closed, and this is what sighted people doing audio only tell me the first time they do it, when their eyes are closed, they all say, oh, the pictures are so much more vivid. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, (laughs) all I could think of was sarcastic comebacks like, haven't you heard of radio? Haven't you listened to a talking book? Audible is worth squillions for Mm. a reason. It's a talking book. Of course, when you close your eyes, the pictures are more vivid. That's why we have things called nightmares. As I've found more people coming around and trying audio zoom and then realizing it is something they can do. They don't have to be professional voice artists. The world slowly grows. And that's a rather lovely thing. I think the com- the community
0: that's come together just on this small scale is incredible enough to... Hopefully have the outreach to continue to make it blossom again, not just as sort of a a fallback when that's what's there, but to flesh it out as an incredible medium for
1: improv. And it also offers the chance for people to step into a world that's a little bit more real than the things they see on a very busy screen that kind of looks like a, a meeting but one of their workplaces. It's pure storytelling. It's immersive and it's intimate, as we said earlier. And as much as I would love to do a more political approach, like really, no, you need to be fully inclusive. This is a group of people you are leaving out, you know, visually impaired people, blind people, and people who don't have a strong, stable broadband connection. And I don't, I'm not good at that kind of thing. I just think, Try it. It's rewarding. And you'll be letting people step through a door to another world that I know many of them will find deeply satisfying.
0: I mean, once they, it might just be who my outreach is, but once they've tried it, they freaking love it. And, right. Uh, you know, again, is it because I probably associate with similar people to myself? Maybe. Like I know that it's it's never going to replace this. It's not meant to replace the stage. A theatrical experience in front of live people in in a space together is
1: that, that's incredible. That's number one. It's incredible. That's number one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But this isn't yeah. trying to do that. This is trying to take you on that, um, audio journey and, and being like, wait, that was all made up. Like it's a, exactly. it's a different sensation. And, and I think in that regard, I hope, and I know that many improvisers find it fulfilling to perform once they try it and they see how beautiful it is to be in their own imagination. So
1: beautifully put.
0: <laughs> Thanks. We did it. We connected.
1: We connected. I'm relieved. And the the lady to thank at the bottom of this, it's all the six degrees of separation. The lady to thank is Carla Dingle. Because, right, I'll try and do this in one breath because I'm an idiot and I like showing off at parties doing this. Carla Dingler is a phenomenal improv and acting coach and actor and improviser. She is important at Queen City Comedy. In her absence, she recommended Michelle Gilliam, who runs Improv MKE and YAP sessions. Her cover tutor one week was Jess O'Neill, and I heard how phenomenal Jess O'Neill wasn't saying, what do you do? And she mentioned introverted improvisers. I followed it up, and then I found you. I hope that was all audible. (laughs)
0: Yes, it was. There's that singer's lung capacity,
1: <laughs> and yeah, well, somebody said to me that somebody said to me, "You've got sixty seconds." Hmm, that's that's something, which is why I assumed you were a flute player. I've got about thirty-five, and that's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maggie is a kick. She's also confident, courageous, and encouraging as hell. She invests generously in boosting people's spirits, making her a phenomenal teacher, and if you would like to work with her soon on finding your own inner hero and voice, you can take an audio-only workshop with her and Steven Davidson of Impromiscuous Theater called Vulnerability in Improv. This workshop works with your inner critic to get out of your own way, break through plateaus, and draw in the audience with the power of vulnerability. This will take place on Thursday, December 9th at 11 a.m. Pacific, which is 2 p.m. Eastern or 7 p.m. GMT. To find out more, search for Stephen Davidson Improv on Eventbrite and look for the workshop Vulnerability in Improv with Maggie, or click on the link in the show notes here. And hey, if you go, I'll hear you there. Let's be vulnerable together. Whether you are a veteran improviser or just considering improv, we hope you found some reasons to go audio today, for reasons of necessity and or desire, because it's such a beautiful world of the night. You don't have to be the lone wolf all the time, even though, let's face it, we kind of love being that. But every once in a while, we feel that collective urge to howl at the moon. When you're ready to do so, contact us to play or help teach and guide your community because we'd love to hear your voice and we've totally got your back.